0: Idaho Falls City Club broadcasts on KISU are presented by the Idaho Humanities Council. Enhancing the quality of life in Idaho by broadening public awareness, appreciation
1: and understanding of literature, history, philosophy, and other humanities disciplines. Find more details on the web at idahohumanities.org. Tonight on the City Club, we hear from Roger Plofo, editor and publisher of the Post Register newspaper in Idaho Falls. He speaks on the topic, We Get the Media, We Deserve, Stay with us this hour as we present this City Club Forum, recorded on January 15th, 2016.
0: So welcome everybody. It's a great pleasure here to host our esteemed publisher and editor of the Post Register, Roger Plotho, uh, who many of you are, uh, are close to and uh, have in fact engaged in many activities, from the golf course to the tennis court uh, to a number of cultural events. So Roger's no stranger. Indeed, his presence here for two decades has lent an aura of dignity uh, to the community. And I want to say that as as I've had the good fortune to travel around the state and meet with editors and publishers, that there's a widespread opinion that the Post Register is the best newspaper in the state for a paper of its size and indeed in the region. And the very fact that he could send uh, his very, very good uh, editors and reporters on to bigger newspapers is a real mark of the training ground at the Post Register and the excellence of this paper for many, many years. Uh, The topic that Roger's going to take up today, the decline of American journalism, could not be more timely because if you look at papers from coast to coast, you look at scholarly papers and magazines, there has been for many, many, many years great expression of concern about the loss of the importance of the American newspaper. It's not a new topic by any means, but if you consider the fact that at the time of America's founding, Thomas Jefferson and others exalted freedom of the press as the principal way to place a check on American government, we recognize the importance of the decline of American journalism and with it, the decline of the American republic. It's a great pleasure today to uh, bring to the podium Roger Plotho, and by the way, let me introduce his better half, Kathleen Plotho. Roger, please.
1: Oh, David. there's just no way to live up to this uh, um, uh, the dignity that I have brought to Eastern Idaho I I guarantee you I have brought a lot of things to Eastern Idaho but dignity has not been one of them Um, but seriously I want to thank the City Club I think it's really uh, it's a a rare and wonderful thing for a, a, a city of our size to be as engaged as it is in so many different things including this kind of thing. Now, as I look into the eyes of this audience, most of you have... um, uh, I know very, very well. Um, Almost all of you have imbibed one thing or another with me over the years. Um, And so, you know, there's a little speaking to the choir aspect to this. Um, So I I hope, one, that you... um, And if I say anything outrageous, spread the word. Say anything that, that ticks you off. Spread the word. Uh, if I say anything that scares you in particular, I hope I do. Spread the word. Uh, but I want to thank the City Club, David, and um, I think Mark is the current president. Is that right? And you know there are a lot of a lot of people that are behind Mark Young, behind putting this together and keeping it going. And I'm I'm very grateful uh, to have the opportunity to talk to you, although I have to say it's been seven years, and this is the first invitation, so uh, <laughs> what's up with that? Uh, it also comes in the dead of winter, so I get that. I understand that sometimes people, you just, people won't come, and you have to find somebody local. Um, I love journalism. I really love journalism. I believe in it. Um, I'm not going to weep today, as I did a, a couple of uh, a month or so ago at the Breaking Boundaries uh, uh, dinner. But but thinking about journalism and, and its current state is something to weep over. I um, got my first byline in a newspaper when I was 17 years old, four or five, six years ago, in Provo, where I was just had just graduated from high school, and I had decided I was going to be a Sports Illustrated. Writer and that didn't work out, um, but I did start my, my career in sports. But I believe, and love, believe in and love journalism. I think it's important. I think it matters. I tell people at the newspaper, we're doing more than, than making widgets. What we do is really important. What you do is really important. Uh pointing to my TV friends. Uh, what KISU does is really important. And, and it's in grave, grave danger. We are in big trouble. Um, and it's not just the emergence of the internet, although I think that's a, a, a one of the vehicles behind it. But much of what passes for journalism today is complete utter nonsense. and and you know, it's always there've always been times when we've had, you know, we've had yellow journalism in the past, we've had the, uh, the Hearsts and the Pulitzers and the, and who, who, who did great work and then did really horrible work. But we've never had a time like this when the majority of people, particularly young people, are getting information that is wrong. Not just slanted, it's wrong. And I want to talk about what I mean First of all, I want to I want to dispel some myths. There are myths out there. For example, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many people believe that Fox News is the number one Fox or the number one news channel in America by ratings? By, by ratings, how many believe that? Okay, I wasn't going to ask for hands, but let's have hands. How many uh, <laughs> believe that? Okay, let me give you the facts. Bill Riley, who is the top most popular person on Fox News who gets the highest ratings draws 3 million viewers a night. How many people are in our country? He's getting about 1%. On a good night, he's at 1.5%. How many people watch a broadcast news, uh, ABC, NBC, or CBS, how many people watch broadcast news? How many Americans do you think watch broadcast news? A lot. Combined, the three networks get 28 million viewers a night. Fox News is a non-player in the, in the ratings war. What happens is they say things that are so outrageous that you and I tweet them to our friends. Stop that! <laughs> stop it. You're making it worse. Oh, isn't this horrible? Yes, it's horrible. Shut up. <laughs> stop passing around this nonsense. Still, 28 million to three. MSNBC, which is the left side of the, of the silliness, and CNN combined don't quite get to Bill O'Reilly. So CNN, MSNBC, Fox combined, about five million. Network news broadcasts, 28 million. These are ratings from Nielsen, okay? This is not stuff I've made up. I'll make stuff up later. But <laughs> this is the real thing. Most Americans prefer broadcast news to cable. Average age of a Fox News broadcast, or a Fox News viewer, average age, take a guess. They wish, 68, and it gets older every year, as, you know why. Um, Rush Limbaugh, everybody listens to Rush Limbaugh, Right? Nobody listens to Rush Limbaugh. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's leave Dell over alone. Come on, he's a good guy. And I am told that we probably quoted him out of context. (laughs) Glenn Beck. Everybody listens to Glenn Beck, right? Nobody listens to these people until they say something crazy and it gets on what? YouTube, Facebook... Twitter, Fox News. That's how they get their audience. That's how they get their influence. Stop it. If you are retweeting stupid stuff, you're part of the problem. Stop it. Okay, 35 year olds. What's the main source of news for someone under 35? used to be The Daily Show, the internet of some, but specifically, Facebook. It's the same thing as saying their main source of news is their drunk neighbor next door. We are in big trouble when Facebook becomes the main source, number two source of news for people under 35. Twitter. I can't even say it without with a straight face. Twitter. And what do you do on Twitter? You tweet. <laughs> what is the matter with us? Okay. You are now all committed to not tweeting nonsense and to not Here's There are crazy people right now that have in the names of you and I taken over a heretofore unknown wildlife refuge in Oregon. And nobody would know much about it if you'd stop Facebooking it. If I'd stop Facebooking it. I think it's so funny that I can't can't help it. (laughs) It's my fault. I'm doing it. But I'm doing the funny part. I'm just doing the parodies. But that's how they're getting their coverage. And then people believe that what comes to Facebook is true. Well, you can't just make this stuff up. I love this. Um, Far- Farley Dickinson University did a survey, and they asked some, some, some just some questions about current events, and they, they took a and they scored how people did on knowing the facts about current events. Okay, and then they asked, "What's your main source of news?" And then they cross-tabbed that. If your main source of news is X and you get score Y on the test. How, uh, how do you do based on your source of news? Okay. <laughs> second place, let's go to national qu- domestic questions. Second place, I mean, second worst in, in getting the answers right was they don't watch the news. What was worse than that? Fox News was worse than that. If you watch Fox News, you know less about current events than if you don't watch any news at all. (laughs) And that would be funny, but it's not. (laughs) My friends at KISU, what was the most reliable? If you watched or listened to X your score was the highest. I'm sorry, my conservative friends who think NPR is, is, is communist. They may be communist, they may be liberal, but they're accurate. They, if you listen to NPR, you score the highest among this list. MSNBC doesn't do much better than Fox, by the way. They're just slightly higher than no news at all. All right. I may come back to this. I may not. Memes. I love memes. Do you love memes? The thing about a meme is that in order for some, you know what a meme is? A meme is one of those little things that shows up on Facebook, and it's it's got a picture or a, a pretty design, and it has a quote with someone's name attached to it. That's a meme. If it, if it has action, we can call it a gif. Not a gift. That would be wrong. And in order for someone to, to, to create a meme, it has to be proven to be factual, right? <laughs> wrong. I would assert that the opposite is true. If you see it in a meme, the odds are very, very high that it's made up. It's wrong. Look at your sheet here, and you're just somewhere in the middle here, I've got a couple of memes. And I could pick, I could go pick 100 memes. My guess is 95 would be wrong. Just wrong, made up. Um, You can, you can, you know how sometimes with people you can know if they're lying if their lips are moving? You can know a meme is untrue if it shows up on your Facebook page. Unless at the bottom of the meme it has, it provides you a source. I, I'm, a, I'm a history major and I had to go into great, go to great lengths to source everything I wrote. I'm a journalist, believe it or not, we don't make that stuff up. We go to sources. I'm gonna talk about that at the end here before we go to questions. Memes are wrong, they're inaccurate, they're false, they're made up, they're stupid, they make you dumber. Every time you look at a meme, you lose a couple of IQ points. Stop it. Stop it, Stop and stop sending them along. I run a little Facebook page, and you're all welcome to come join, but I have to approve you (laughs) so you'll know how I feel about you if you apply and and you don't get in. But anyone here gets in. It's called um, Quote Busters, and I take take memes and I research them. This will tell you what kind of life I have. (laughs) But I take memes and I research them, and I will bust them because they're almost always wrong. The other, the nice thing about the internet is if you know how to use it, I can go read the primary sources of the papers of Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams. I can go find whether Ben Franklin actually said beer is proof that God loves us and wants to be happy. (laughs) Never said it. Not a thing even close. Besides, he was a wine drinker. So, someone got the idea. Well, he liked wine, so therefore, he said, in wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, in water there is bacterium. Oh, please, bacterium didn't become a word until 1847. (laughs) I saw that at a very nice um, wine store in, was it Sun Valley? Jackson, it was in Jackson. Jackson. Well, it's Jackson. It's a high-end wine store. It must be right. All right, I'm running out of time for my my uh, prepared remarks. <laughs> journalism. What Fox News does, what MSNBC does, what most of C- what CNN mostly does, is not journalism, folks. That is not journalism. That is not journalism. It's a show. They're trying to make money. They're, they're creating an echo chamber. They have a target audience thereafter. They want, Fox is happy to have, and f- forgive me for what I'm about to say. Forgive me for everything I say. Fox is happy to have old white people. That's all, they, that's, that, they're happy to have them. Great. MSNBC, would like to have younger, diverse people. But they don't get them, their average age is 55. Um, Because what, the 35 year olds are on Facebook. There is this thing, it's in your packet. I want you to memorize it before you go home. (laughs) It's the Society of Professional Journalists Code of Ethics. And you say, what? Journalists believe this stuff. It's serious. There's a whole list of stuff here. And we believe it so much at the Post Register that we have our own code of ethics. Now we stole 80% of it from the Society of Professional Journalists. Why redo the work? But what we put it on our webpage because we want to be held accountable because sometimes we miss. Sometimes we stink, we blow it. And we don't mind holding ourselves up to a standard. Test number one, if you want to find a news source that you can trust, see if they have something like this somewhere on their website. Go find it. If they don't, go to the contact us section, find someone who sounds important, write them an email that says, what do you believe in? Show me what you believe in. What, how do I hold you accountable? To what standard? Um, if they don't have that, stop tweeting them. Stop listening to them. They're not trustworthy. They may be okay, they may be fun, but they're not journalists. They're just not. Um, I'm just going to point this out to you on this, on one of these pages here. This is from FactCheck.org. They, um, it's their little checklist on how to find out if a meme is 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 accurate or inaccurate. And these are some things that typically are I- evidence that something is bogus. But I'll, but start start with the assumption that it's bogus. Start there, and then work your way. In about five minutes, w- if you learn how to use Google right, you can determine the veracity of anything. And it's not because, and here's what happens. Here's using Google wrong, okay? So you take Benjamin Franklin, and you, you, you type in the quote about loving God loving us because he gave us beer, right? And you find that it's on every quote site in the world, right? It's on brainy quotes. It's on, it's on Roger and it's on everywhere. Everyone's quoting Ben Franklin as having said that. And you say, well, Google has proven it right. No, these people found it on Google and nobody until you get to a point where you get to a primary source that says, this is the time, the place, the manner in which Benjamin Franklin said this. He said it in a letter to um, the King of England uh, in 1864, I mean, you find the the archive. They're out there. Most of them are online. Ben Franklin arch- archives. There are more than one, but and it, it, it needs to be it needs to be um, an archive that's run by something reputable, like a university. Um, if it's run by Disneyland, I would not I would not use it as a good source. If it's on Wikipedia, Wikipedia is horrible. I just, last year, no, it's in 2014 now, went back and finished my college degree, I know. I dropped out as a senior and I finished my college degree last year. And what's very interesting about it is that the university that I attended would not allow you to use Wikipedia for any sourcing in your papers, okay? Now I would use Wikipedia to find their own footnotes and then go to an original source, that's not a bad way to go. Okay, Um, I got into a fight the other day with a guy about Snopes. Oh, Snopes was built by these two radical socialist so-and-sos. Okay. Who cares? how do they go about their work? Here's what you find when you go to Snopes. They document all their research. You can double check it. You can go check everything they claim. You can go find every primary source. They don't just say, well, we heard this and we heard that and this meme said that. They go in and they do research. So far, I have not, and I, I I don't believe Snopes just because they put something out there. But I have not found a Snopes solution or an answer to an issue that wasn't adequately researched. And I go in and double check their work. I think Snopes is a good source. Don't believe me, go in and do your own homework. But do your homework. Here's, to get to the the title of my remarks and then we're gonna have some real fun. we decide about our media. Media goes where, the, goes where the money is. If they can sell enough advertising on Fox News with their 3%, they're going to continue to be outrageous. And it's the same as in politics. We deserve the politics that we get. If we don't demand better, if we don't demand more, if we don't hold people accountable, it's our fault. It's not the fault of Fox News. It's not the fault of this MSNBC. They're just doing what businesses do. They're going to where the money is. And we need to not give them the money. We need to stop making them popular. We need to stop using them on social media, we need to be disciplined. I'm gonna answer one question before I get, before David has his shot at me. There was a really good letter to the editor in the paper last week about someone who's in the audience asking, don't I deserve news on a Saturday? What's what's you know? Apparently, I I I deserve more news on a Sunday than I deserve on a Saturday. I'm going to let you in on a what I th- I think will become obvious. How do we decide the number of pages that will be and will will use for a certain day's paper? How do we make that decision? We I, we we have a magic wand. We go into a dark room. There is there is neon flashing. We spin the publisher around and we say. On this day, we're going to do 36 pages. And on this day, we're going to do 12 pages. That is not how it happens. We have a percentage of paid space that we shoot for. And what day of the week do we have m- the most advertising? Wednesday. Sunday. What's second? Friday. What's third? Friday. Thursday, Friday, about the same. What's last? Saturday. You want more news on Saturday? Buy more ads. <laughs> it's just that simple. I, can't aff- I cannot afford to give you a free paper. And your children and mine aren't buying the paper. So second thing is, buy all of your children a Christmas subscription to the Post Register. <laughs> Maybe two or three. Um, because they think that you can get the news out of Facebook. And you can't. So that's how it happens. I mean, you know, we, we shoot to have about half the paper with paid advertising and half with news. And on Sundays, we, that gives you a lot of pages. On Saturdays, it's miserable, it's awful. Do you think, do you, think about me for a moment. Do you think I like to go out to my paper box on Saturday morning and pick up a paper that has no weight? Imagine my embarrassment. It is in your power to fix that. Um, We need to do better. We need a better Saturday paper. We, We dropped Monday. Oh, we dropped Monday. Oh, some of you are still mad at me. You forget that we for 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 100 year 111 years we didn't have a Saturday paper. We should never have given you Saturday. <laughs> we would ne- we wouldn't have had the problem that we have now on two, on Monday. If we have just kept Saturday away, we'd been fine. But back in 2000 and no, 1996 we gave you we gave you um, Saturday. Terrible mistake. I wasn't here at the time. And so Eight, nine years ago, we took away Monday. I'd love to give it back. I need more advertising to do that. Look, advertisers have a lot of options today. They go there. They have online options. They have all, all sorts of options. I get it. Um, and that's our job, to make our product valuable enough for advertisers to come spend money with us. But you could help by buying more advertising.
0: Great. Uh, thank you, Roger. <laughs> Thanks very much for the um, the insightful remarks and the humor. And we, everybody, we paid Roger for the humor. That's why he's here. I, did, I
1: didn't mean to be funny. I was.
0: <laughs> so we have a number of really great questions, and we're going to extend your opportunity to about three hours because Good. we have you here after seven. Years I can of go
1: only, longer than you, you Finally go, you all accepting can.
0: Yeah. an invitation yeah. from us, it took seven years.
1: I'm here as long as you're here.
0: So that sounds like a challenge. <laughs> Let's start, uh, let's start with your denunciation of yellow journalism. Can you briefly explain to our audience what you consider to be yellow journalism? Sure. Um, this was particularly true in the early part of the
1: 20th century, but it goes back to the founding of our country and before. Um, newspapers really got started as, as the, the voice of a political party or an ideology. That's how newspapers began in our country. And so literally when I fir- this is how old I am when I first got into this business there's a there's a yearbook of newspapers we call it the red book and it comes out every year and when I first got started in the business it would actually say in in the summary about each newspaper what political party it was affiliated with now there weren't this was 1977 and there weren't newspapers that were really affiliated with parties anymore but that since was so recent that it was still part of that Yearbook for a number of years, so if you go to Hearst and you go to uh, Pulitzer and you go to these other famous names, after whom many awards have been named, um, they were in it for power and influence, and they were in, in, into it to. Um, and, and so, I mean, if you, if you, if some of you have read the book. Um, about the, the period of Teddy Roosevelt and the, and the period right before his presidency and during, um, and how he used the media because they were willing to be used. Um, the same thing is going on today in a much in a in a in a different way. the 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 influence is more about uh, as much about money as anything today than it was say hundred years ago. But that's that was yellow journalism. People would would create a newspaper. And they would use it to gain influence and power, and they had really no particular interest in the accuracy of what they were writing about. Now there was an, there was a, an offshoot of that that we like to that we call today the muckraking period, when uh, there was some very good journalism done in the cause of things like pub, uh, labor. And, uh, uh, and, and public laws and civil rights and those kinds of things um, where people took on an advocacy role. Well, my only issue is if you're going to be an advocate, if you're, going to, if you're Mother Jones and you're going to be a liberal advocate, just say it. Fine. It's not journalism per se. You're an advocacy group. You're using writing and as a tool Um, what we want to do and what you'll see in the code of ethics is the impossible we want to shoot down the middle we want to be as objective as human beings possibly can are we are we always successful never it's done by humans but it's the it's the goal that we uh, wish to
0: attain thank you so here we have about three or four questions about what many consider to be the golden era of american journalism the period of the publication of the pentagon papers watergate about the time that you uh, entered the profession Uh, and this goes to the issue of the importance of investigative journalism so some in our audience have recently seen uh, the wonderful movie spotlight which focuses a spotlight on those great journalists at the boston globe that exposed the Uh, scandals within the Catholic Church. Here's a general question for you with a follow-up. Do you believe that American journalism is still capable of producing quality investigative journalism? If not, what accounts for the decline of investigative journalism? Um, Watergate wouldn't happen today.
1: Um, We don't have... In order... In order to do what happened, what the Washington Post and, and then the New York Times and then the rest of the, uh, the major media in the country, in order to do what they did, they had to have the confidence financially to withstand the government. Uh, if you've seen, if you've read the works by Carl uh, Bernstein and Bob Woodward on on that period and that is why I got into this business I, I, I was a true believer I was going to go out and change the world and it uh, appears that it's backfired but um, the what ha- what was important about the Washington Post and the New York Times is they had publishers, family publishers who one were financially successful enough to look at at the government and say, Bring it on. And they believed in what they were doing, but don't underestimate the power of the the security they had financially. If you are not secure financially, if you're struggling for your own survival, you are less likely to be uh, engaged in that kind of, of journalism. And the Washington Post today is not owned by a family. It's owned by Amazon. The New York Times is still owned by a family, but it's struggling. Would they do it today? I don't know. They would tell you they would. Would they take on the, very, the federal government of the United States, regardless of the consequences? I don't think so. Let me just say this. Um, there is still good, good investigative journalism going on, almost all of it. By newspapers, some of it by nonprofit uh, organizations like ProPublica, um, but but the best uh, investigative journalism today is being done by large newspapers. Um, you see some of it happen. It, there's some interesting things happening. Do you watch Vice on HBO? It's not bad. It's investigative journalism. It's investigative journalism for the new generation. It's got, it's flashy. Um, So we're seeing some movement, but I would say, and this is top of my head, I would say investigative journalism is down by 90% from from those days, and that should scare us. That's very scary. We, even when it sometimes is gotten wrong, and it has in the past, we need to be doing it. We need to be doing it at KIFI and at the Post Register and every small and large operation that calls itself a journalistic operation in the country. And we tend to be doing more, we tend to be doing safer stuff.
0: And that's scary. And boring. <laughs> we don't want boring. So uh, given your comments about the decline of investigative journalism, uh, that suggests the, mo- the greater difficulty of the free press to check governmental officials at all levels. Now your newspaper has led the way on a number of fronts in this state over the past several years and we have an interesting question about your work in Jefferson County exposing uh, the legal problems among some officials, Uh, and there are other stories that your paper has led the way on. What's your philosophy at the Post Register about checking government at the local, the county, and the state levels? First of all, I want to say that I know a lot of government officials,
1: and most of them are really, really good people. They're there for the right reasons, they mean well, they, they, they're hard workers, they want to do the right thing. I do not subscribe to the idea that, that we are governed by a bunch of uh, bad people, we're not. Um, the first, my first responsibility as publisher is to, is to operate the newspapers and we, we run for sustainably, we have to make money. I took a business class back in, I don't remember when, and the professor came into the class and said, what's the main purpose of business? And nobody got the question right. What's the main purpose of business? To make money. Oh, so we have to make money. Um, The second purpose of of a journalistic effort is to fulfill our constitutional responsibility we have been given certain protections. We, ha- we are obligated then to return the favor, to do the job that we um, are supposed to do because we have been given this an incredible gift by our framers. And, I, and so, I mean this is where I start to weep, right? This is why I'm in the business. This is what's fun. Now, I could lie to you and say that it hurts me when I see a, a, a bad, a corrupt public figure go down. It doesn't hurt me. I love it. They deserve it. I consider it a notch on my belt. Um, and so when you have public figures who think they're above the law and the news, a newspaper brings them down, good riddance and good for us. And in the newsroom, I will tell you, we, we celebrate that. Sorry, you, you know, you'd think we weren't so cynical, but we are. That's one of the things we want to do. There are times when we want to be gentler. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to be so arrogant and just provide a nudge. Hey, I think maybe the way you did this was, was kind of against the law. Can you, can you maybe go back and give that another look? I think that's fair, because good people make mistakes, right? It's when they do it over and over and over again that they ought to get thrown in jail. Um, so I t- that, you know, I I like to see the great stories about our about you know the 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 warm fuzzy stories. I do. I they're I they're fine, and a lot of our readers demand them. But what gets my, my juices flowing is when we, when we get our, our teeth into something. And it, you know, it wasn't the Post Register that, that brought down a sheriff in Jefferson County. It was the Jefferson Star and one inexperienced young guy who
0: wouldn't give it up. Thank you. Uh, so that we keep your juices going now. Here are a couple of follow-up questions. <coughs> wrong, uh, wrong. A couple of years Sorry ago. Sorry about that. In that release, its its newsroom of the future roles, many of them were focused on social engagement, on community engagement, and social content. Is the Post Register heading in that direction? Oh, I hope not.
1: I don't want. It. We know we tried. Some of you participated when we did the stupid post-talk thing, where you could comment on our stories online, and it just became a fight. And it it it, it immediately went to the to our worst our worst um, instincts. It was horrible, and so we killed it. I don't want you to. I don't want you to socialize with my reporters. I don't want them to socialize with you. I want them to go do their job. I don't want them to, to get on Twitter and tell you I'm going out to cover this story and I'm gonna tweet it live. Nah, no, I don't want to do, that's stupid. And it's not helpful to you. And it, and it puts our reporters in a position where um, they're more, they're more, they're more, it's more about engaging than reporting. I will tell you, I am old school. I'm an old, old person and I abide by standards that I believe in, like a lot of old people do.
0: Um, Sometimes we're right, and I'm right. (laughs) So here are about four questions that stand at the intersection of journalistic ethics and integrity. Uh, The first question has to do with uh, readers' confidence in the stories that they believe, Uh, How many sources should your reporters seek uh, when they're breaking a story, number one? And secondly, describe for us, if you will, how editors up the chain review or supervise those stories to further journalistic integrity. On the number of sources, as many as it takes, it could be
1: one. There are are some good one-source stories, and that's all you need if it's the right source. Sometimes you need 30. It just depends. And you, and you, you know it when you're there, you, you know. Um, we almost never use unnamed sources because they don't have accountability if their name doesn't appear in the story. And you can't trust, I, you know, people who cover Washington say we couldn't ever get a story out if they, we didn't use un, unnamed sources. Boy, am I glad I don't have to deal with Washington because I would be horrible at that because I don't believe in that. So as many as it takes, and it's a, it's a it's it's a more art than a science. Um, what was the second part?
0: Uh, what about the editorial process above the okay. report? Okay, let me
1: tell you. Let me let me tell you. Let me let me tell you a story about me and Frank. Anybody from Ella Luca here? So. I, I People don't believe me when I say this. I actually like Frank. He and I have found a way to get along. And we, and we, ha, we have said some nasty things to each other over the years. In fact, um, he has told me on more than one occasion that, he's, that I'm one of the few people who, who will actually tell him the truth. Um, and I took that as a, a, a big compliment. But you'll remember we did this very, very hard series of stories on the Boy Scouts... You know what I'm talking about. Well, I bring that up because because Frank was under the misunderstanding and many other people were under the misunderstanding that that was all the work of one person. That was the work of 15 people. And not a word of that got into our newspaper without my specific approval. And I'll guarantee you, without the specific approval of our attorney, that was everything that we do goes through at least two editors after the reporter has put it together. And that's a, that includes the story on the uh, State of the City address, and it includes the story on, 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 on smart high school students and everything in between. And if it's a difficult story, a touchy story, I'm going to read it, and probably Steve Wright, our attorney, is going to read it. The ultimate responsibility for any story in our newspaper lies where? Uh, I may not, I don't read them all, I don't. But I'm responsible for setting up the environment and the process to see that it's done right. It's on me. Um, When a reporter doesn't get it right, when a headline isn't quite right, and we've had two in the last two weeks where we had headlines that were just a little bit off and I was really irritated, it's ultimately my
0: fault. Here, here's, here are two questions you'll really like. One, uh, how would you explain to the audience to understand yeah. that major newspapers can thoroughly and accurately re, uh, report the news and yet have an editorial policy which leans left? Should they think of those papers as liberal I'm not,
1: I'm very, I am torn about editorials. And I've been doing this a long time and I'm still torn as to whether there's something we we should do. For two reasons. One, do any of you believe the myth that there is some kind of objective, diverse, broad-based editorial board that decides what the opinion of the newspaper is going to be on the editorial page? Do any of you really believe that? Because if you do, I have a lot of things I'd like to sell you. It comes down to the people in charge decide that we're going to write about this. Whether that per- people, the people in charge are Jerry Brady, or, and I will tell you this, you all know we're now owned by a company called Adams Publishing Group. The, the the one thing they don't care about is our editorial positions. Could not care less. And so Katie and I basically are the editorial board. This This idea that we're going to go out and try to gather up the... The, over, the, the, the opinion of the, of the people and and represent them in some way. No, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in Lewiston. It doesn't happen in Boise. It doesn't happen at the Washington Post or the Boston Globe or the New York Times. Um, I do think that there are some things that you can say in an editorial that you can't say any other way. I do think there are some topics that are best broached in an editorial. We hammer away at add the words. We just we've been doing it forever. And it's unpopular with I mean probably I would say I don't know what 70% of our readers don't like it. You know what add the words means, right? It's it's eliminating the the um, right to discriminate completely in the state of Idaho. We've been we've been hammering away at this not in not not in, not in, in just in the add the words issue, but going back 20 years, and and really the best way to deal with that one is in an editorial. I mean, we can tell stories, we can cover it, but sometimes you just have to say what needs to be said. And I'm not going to pretend that there's some kind of a we're we're on the we're we're on the outside on that one, but I also think there's a point at which you have. Ticked off enough people, and they're not listening to you anymore. And you gotta, you've gotta find a balance where you, and that's what Katie and I are trying to work on now. Is, is there a way, to be, to be a little less? We want to, you know, we're, it's, a, journalists are arrogant people. And we think we are really smart, and we're, we're going to help you, understand, what we understand. But. Um, I, I think there comes a point where you've said it enough. Or you've said it, you know, or there's a different way to say it. And there's a, a more collaborative approach, perhaps. Not always, but, and, and so that's what we're looking at, is, is there a way to do that, to include more voices? And you don't, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna include crazy voices. I'll tell you right now, if you wanna write, how shall I put this? If you wanna write a column Denying climate change, you can you can write a letter to the editor because we have a lot we have loose standards there. <laughs> but if you want to write a column denying climate change, find another newspaper because it's just dumb. You know, it's just dumb, and I think we need to have a higher level than that. I ought to expect you to, our readers and our contributors, to have to uh, reach a higher level than that. Um, So I've wandered around a lot here, David, but I I, I am ambivalent about the role of editorials in the newspaper, and I will probably go to my grave ambivalent about it, uh, which means we'll continue to flounce around and figure something out.
0: Thanks, Roger. So here's a series of questions that uh, require less than a 30-second answer. I get, that was very subtle. (laughs) What is your view about what happened to Brian Williams, the former NBC anchor? I think he got off lucky. Okay. What's your view on Charlie Rose and what he's done uh, for the world of journalism? Hate Charlie Rose.
1: I think he's. I think he talks too much and he's arrogant and he needs to let his his interview sources speak more. He he brings in good people and then even then he needs to ask questions and shut up.
0: Here's here's you're gonna love this one. To what extent is the media responsible for the creation of Donald Trump? You can have 60 seconds for that. (laughs) He's
1: entirely a creation of the media. He's our fault. He's your fault. How many of you used to watch his stupid show? Okay, your kids did. Um, I I had a rule (laughs) when Trump announced... You are not allowed, copy desk, to put Trump's name in a headline on our front page. Well, what am I going to do now? (laughs) He's our next president. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet you a dollar he won't be, but each of you in this room, one dollar each. But it's pretty scary how far it's gotten. And he is the creation of the media and he's the creation of and, and, let's, and let's, be, let's try to, I, I, I'm past my time but give me just one more second here. He has given voice to a certain segment of America that has, has felt uh, uh, poorly represented for a long time. And they are having their day. And you can't say that it's all of the, you know, it's just a bunch of stupid people. It's a lot of stupid people. <laughs> but, but it's frustrated people, it's angry people who feel like they have not been heard. And when you don't listen to someone long enough, they go find a Trump.
0: Quick question, what's your reaction to online newspapers such as the Huffington Post, the Daily Beast, Slate, and so
1: on—they get it right about one out of every ten times. The Huffington Post is terrible. Um, at least they're not doing—I um, don't know—they used to do a lot of soft porn, um, you know, a lot of naked naked women and stuff. And I think they've gotten a little bit away from that. Um, but they have no—they have no vetting process. The Daily Beast; these are these are advocates. Huffington Post exists to make money because Ariane is really smart. And it's there to make money, and so she'll put on whatever is going to attract visits. The um, Daily Beast, Salon, Slate, are they have a, they have a perspective? They push that perspective, um, and it's fun if you believe their perspective, but it's not journalism.
0: Here's a series of questions that you won't have time to answer sufficiently but they can provoke columns from you. <laughs> what, is, what is the relationship between academics and journalists? Do they collaborate? And is that desirable? Sometimes. No expansion on that question? That's I thought true. I was
1: going to write a column on that.
0: <laughs> uh, here's a serious question for you. In your view, has the Supreme Court rendered opinions su- that sufficiently Protect freedom of the press.
1: I think so. I, I'm not unhappy with uh, with with our protections. The p- problem is we do, we don't uh, take advantage of them enough, and we want too much. We want we want protection for using um, unnamed sources. I don't think we deserve that kind of protection. We overuse the unnamed sources, and so then we want shield laws. We want shield laws in every state. We want federal shield laws, where. We don't have to give up our sources under any conditions. Nonsense. 95% of the time we didn't need those unnamed sources and we're using it as a crutch. And so we need to stop that and probably in some ways we get more protection than we deserve, but I'm not unhappy with with being a journalist in America as far as the law is concerned. The problem is, this wasn't your question but I'm gonna gonna answer it. Um, The problem is the people don't trust the media. We have lost your trust. It's not. We don't have a legal problem. We have a people problem. We have, a, we have an America problem. And we've created it to a large degree because we are not saying some of the things I've said today about the, the imposters who are trying to pretend to be journalists. And you lump us all in together. You think that we're all, the same, we're all doing the same kind of work. We're not. We're doing the Lord's work. They they are they are on the dark side. Come with us to the lighter side of life. come with us, be one and, and, and demand it of, of the other sources. Don't let them get away with it. And don't lump Carol and Roger and the, and the other people who are trying to do real journalism in with the Bill O'Reillys of the world. We don't like them either.
0: So, um, that's not what you asked, but Thank you.: Thank you, Father Roger. Thank you.: I was going to ask if the world of journalism was something more than a business. you seem to indicate it's a calling.
1: The, the Journalism is absolutely a calling. If you don't see it as that, you better get out because it's, otherwise it's miserable. You, you know, it used to be it used to be pretty easy. When I got into the business, they let me be a publisher when I was 34 years old. And I was, I didn't, know, I didn't know how to do a spreadsheet. Well, that couldn't happen today. Um, it, because it was easy to be a publisher back in 1993. Um, I, but I stick with it because it's a calling, I believe in it.
0: So Roger, we're just about out of time, but let's, uh, no, I, let's I, I,
1: I, 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 We got an hour and a half, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, we do, we do. Let's go after the intermission. Right so let's uh, let's leave you with a question that gives you the opportunity to return to your theme uh, how do we restore the civic duty for american citizens to become better informed about local national and international themes and issues i don't i don't know um <laughs> i don't know
1: i think i do think seriously that that we all have, if we, if we, the people are here are here because you are, I mean, I know all of you. I, I know, I know every single one of you. I've met every single one of you, I think, at least once or twice. You are here because you want to have civic dialogue. You want to have a responsible uh, and, and, and um, uh, accountable media. But you're in the minority, folks. You are the strange people. Most people don't care. Most people don't pay attention. Most people think Facebook is news. Most people think a meme is right out of the Bible. Um, yeah, I could go, I, I could, but I won't. So. Um so I think there need you can't you can't it can't just be me it can't just be carol it can't just be journalists engaged in this fight you need to speak up I think you need to say what I think I know you know um and if you didn't know it before today you do now um but you we there needs to be uh, d- demand for better. We need to demand better of our politicians and of our journalists, and of those who pr- who presume to be journalists. And it, and it, it it you know, there are corners. I'm I'm gonna I I believe it. I'm gonna do my best, but I can't. We can't do it by ourselves. So, and you need to.
0: By more advertising. <laughs> With those eloquent words, we have to bring down the curtain on this program. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's give this Thank man you. a warm round of applause. An audio archive of all past City Club forums is available at ifcityclub.com slash forums. Visit ifcityclub.com for information about upcoming programs.
1: The Idaho Falls City Club on KISU is supported by the Idaho Humanities Council, promoting good citizenship through civil discourse, civic engagement, and reflection on the public good. More information is online at idahohumanities.org.